0: uh, with what the Apostle Paul was uh, writing to the church at Ephesus after emphasizing that the Jews and the Gentiles had come together under Jesus Christ. Now that they had, uh, they were a part of one family and not divided, broken down that middle wall of partition as we saw there at the end, uh, and that uh, together they are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone and are built up into a, uh, a, a habitation of God through that Holy Spirit of God. He then says in uh, chapter 3, for this cause, and that's a, a good transitional phrase there, for this cause... Uh, because of what God has done, because God from before the foundation of the world chose out a people to be uh, predestined to spend all of eternity with Him, uh, because God chose out a people, and uh, they, they are come together in Jesus Christ as one within Him. Because of, of all of this, the Apostle Paul says, For this cause, I, Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now, again, we we hearken back to uh, Acts chapter 18, where the Apostle Paul, as we saw last night, uh, had told the the, uh, Jews there in the synagogue at Corinth and said, uh, I I dust my clothes off of you, uh, regarding you, and I'm going now uh, to the Gentiles. And... We might ask then, upon what authority? And of course, we understand and we know what authority. But if we had been Jews back in this time when uh, Paul was uh, visiting and, uh, and, and when he had written to, to the uh, Corinth church and, and when he, he was writing here to the church at Ephesus, uh, if we had been Jews back then, we might say, well, Paul, upon what authority... Do you go to the Gentiles? And he says, uh, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to youward." And here in verse 2, uh, Paul is saying, uh, I, am, uh, I have been given grace by God. This dispensation of grace that God has given me. Now let's pause for a moment and reflect on the grace of God. Uh, you all know that uh, the, the how we like to define grace, right? Where you receive something beneficial even though you don't deserve it, and that is uh, what God has done for us, given us all of these blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus even though we do not deserve it. That is the grace of God. And you all uh, have come to understand over the years, I'm sure, uh, and for those of you who might be younger, uh, we'll say it now that grace is not just grace for eternity, but grace is grace for here in time as well. And this is the dispensation that, in fact, there's scripture that talk, talks about the manifold grace of God. And that uh, tells us, even though I'm no mechanic, trust me, I don't know my way around an engine, yet we understand that uh, in this terminology of the manifold grace of God, it means it's distributed out, and it's distributed out in multiple ways. And this is the grace of God. I I know that there was a preacher at one time, uh, uh, and uh, I I was the second preacher who had it, a radio program that was called Grace for Living. And the emphasis was not just grace for eternity, not just grace for getting us, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, that grace was for getting us from death to life. Right, Uh, That uh, that grace that we saw there that that we've received uh, is for uh, ensuring that we have been made acceptable unto God. But we also have grace. Thanks be to God for this. We also have grace for each and every day. And any time that we need it, we have the grace of God. We can go to his throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And so, this is the grace uh, that God. Well, uh, one of the manifestations of the grace of God, one of the dispensations of the grace of God, was that the Apostle Paul was authorized by God to go to the Gentiles and to proclaim uh, this message. And so, that's what Paul is telling them here in verse 2. He says, Look, I am the Apostle. Uh, for you Gentiles and I say that because God gave me a dispensation a a dispensation uh, uh, by his grace and of his grace uh, to go to the Gentiles to proclaim this message and so uh, if any of the Jews were to question that uh, where do you, Paul, where do you get your authority to go to the Gentiles? Uh, Paul would say, well, God is the one who gave that to me, who, who gave me this authority to do so. And he's saying to the Gentiles here, uh, look, uh, if you've heard about this, you may have heard about uh, the how that God has has done this. How that, verse 3, by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery. Now, uh, should we take a poll? Who here enjoys a good mystery, right? A mystery novel, a mystery show, you know, uh, something that, that gets us to thinking uh, when, when we uh, maybe we uh, have games on our phones or pads or tablets or whatever, you know, and And uh, and they're kind of uh, uh, leading us through. I mean, there's all forms of and types of mystery. We we as humans uh, have a tendency to enjoy these mysteries, you know. And uh, and so uh, Paul here is saying by by revelation, God gave unto me the mystery. Well, right at this particular moment. If you had received this letter, if you were sitting in Ephesus, had received this letter, and it was being read to you, you might ask yourself, what mystery is Paul talking about? So I understand Paul is an apostle. Okay, I accept that. I understand that Paul is an apostle. I, I will even accept that Paul is an apostle whom God has told to go and proclaim uh, to the Gentiles about this, this message. But as a Jew, I might have a uh, a different viewpoint about what that message is. What that message is going to be. Now, the legalistic Jew, the strict Jew, the ones who had rejected Jesus Christ, would want the message that Paul would give to the Gentile uh, nations. They would want that message to be, The Jews are God's people. Y'all are not God's people. Y'all are left out too bad for you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So that's what the legalistic strict Jew might would want them to, to understand. Uh, the, the, even a little bit less uh, legalistic Jew would want them to understand that, uh, yes, you might can do the things that are contained in the law that God prescribes in the law, and avoid those things which God forbids in the law, and you might could follow all of the rules of the Pharisees that have been put into place you know and, and and do all that you might could act like a Jew but you could never really be a Jew and that might be the message that they would want Paul to take to the Gentiles if Paul was going to go to the Gentiles at all they might want that but Paul knew better because he had a revelation from God now I understand we get into some dangerous territory when we start saying, if we start saying, I have had a special revelation from God. There have been those through history who have claimed to have a special revelation, right? That it was given just to them, only to them. Well, here is the distinction between those people that have claimed it all through the years and the Apostle Paul is that the Apostle Paul uh, is, uh, is uh, the, the proof of Paul's apostleship is given to us in the Holy Scriptures of God. All Scriptures were written by the inspiration of God, uh, and God has given unto Paul this, this special uh, dispensation, this special revelation. <clears throat> I can think of at least two incidences in the life of the Apostle Paul where we see that he has received this, these revelations. Uh, particular to him. One is on the road to Damascus, right? And we, we understand that. He was going along to Damascus. He was headed for the purpose of imprisoning Christians and even maybe putting them to death. And uh, as he was going along, God changed his mission. God changed uh, what he uh, was going to do a I mean, completely uh, different mission. That was, and, and Jesus revealed himself to Paul in that instance, saying, uh, uh, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. It's hard for thee to kick against the priests. And he reveals that unto the apostle Paul. Now, the second uh, very explicit case that we have is where the Apostle Paul uh, uh, tells us that he was uh, caught up into the third heaven and he saw things there that uh, that were so amazing that he didn't have the words to fully describe them here uh, in in his letters. Now, I have a firm belief that the Apostle Paul was caught up into the eternal heavens, was shown around, he was given a tour, he saw things that were just astounding, amazing, and uh, he couldn't describe them because our words, our words are too limited to really describe the grand and gloriousness, the the how, how amazing heaven really is. Paul says, I, "I just don't have the words to describe it." And so there, he gave a, a got a special revelation as well. I believe argument also could be made for when. Uh, after uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, experience on the road to Damascus, and you remember he was blinded, and for three days he was blinded, uh, and, uh, and then he received his sight back again, and eventually he winds up out in the desert for quite a, quite a period of time. And, uh, and I believe that God was uh, revealing things unto him while he was out in the desert as well, things that he would later share with us in these letters he writes Uh, to the various churches, to the various people, and to uh, the various preachers. And so uh, we see that. Well, Paul here in writing, he says that God gave unto him by revelation to to understand and to know the mystery. And so uh, as we believe and understand and believe that the Apostle Paul was indeed an apostle. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and and he was giving unto us the truth as we believe this then. We might ask, well, what is this mystery that that Paul has been given because he is saying that God gave him the understanding of this mystery so that he could then share it with the Gentiles? So what is this mystery? And then we have this parenthetical comment, where he says, "As I wrote afore in few words." <clears throat> now I don't know if that means that he had written a previous short letter that that was uh, not uh, that God chose not to put in His Scriptures, or I, as I really think, he's referring to what he's written in the first two chapters. Uh, what, I've, what I've said in very few words thus far. And remember what he has said thus far. I've already repeated it uh, this afternoon. Remember what he has said in chapters twenty-two, and And so Paul is saying, just as I have written to you already in what we know as chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now, of course, Paul wasn't writing in chapters. He was writing a letter. It was all flowing like a letter. And and but what we know is chapter one and chapter two. That's what I think Paul is referring to here when he says, "As I wrote afore in few words, whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ." So he's what what I think he's saying is, "I've already written about this mystery." So therefore, since I preached it this morning, chapters 1 and chapter 2, you've already heard the mystery. Now, of course, you didn't hear it for the first time this morning. You've known this mystery all along, but but the folks that he's writing to now, they didn't quite understand this mystery. And what is the mystery? Well, as you know, it is uh, that the middle wall petition is broken down. God has a people uh, out of not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And that's, that's a mystery at this point. It's a mystery because that had never been proclaimed before. It had never un- been understood before. He says, whereby when you read, when you read this letter, you're going to understand my knowledge that I got by revelation from God about the mystery of Christ. Then he says... Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So Paul is now saying, in times past, in other ages, in those centuries gone by, this mystery was not made known to mankind. This is something that God has just now chosen to reveal. Now, this mystery and and everything that goes along with this mystery, it was all true even though nobody knew about it. Right? God didn't come up to the New Testament time, you know, and change the rules. God's... God's, uh, what we might call his plan of salvation, the the fact of salvation, his uh, the way he was going to save his people, and all that goes along with that. All of that was true from before the foundation of the world. <laughs> it didn't become true at the creation of the world. It didn't become true when Adam and Eve were created. It didn't become true only after sin entered in the world. It didn't become true only after Jesus Christ came. It was true from before the foundation of the world. And this is uh, uh, now being unpacked and revealed unto us, right? God didn't reveal it unto uh, Adam and Eve. God didn't reveal it uh, unto uh, Seth. Uh, he didn't reveal it unto, uh, 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 you know, uh, Methuselah. He didn't uh, re- uh, reveal it unto Noah. He didn't reveal it unto Lamech. He didn't reveal it under, uh, unto uh, uh, Abram. And not in the way that we now understand it. We've got a different understanding. It's the same truth. It's just that this mystery has now been revealed to us in this way which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men in the same way that it is now revealed unto His holy apostles and prophets, revealed unto them by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Now I'll tell you, one of the most blessed things we could have an understanding of is, is the ministry of of the holy spirit of god and we know the trinity god the father god the word which became god the son and god the holy spirit in the old testament times uh he was known uh as as god and uh he was known in fact there's a there comes a period of time uh, when Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt uh, and into the wilderness, that God reveals himself in a different way than what he has revealed himself prior to that time. And, uh, and he, he goes on to, to tell Moses, uh, I've been known as, as God, but now I'm going to be known as Jehovah. And, and there's a distinction there. And it's not that there's a different God. It's not that He's changed His name. He's just revealing more about Himself in that phase of human history than He had in the past. Well, the same is true when Jesus comes upon the scene. Now He's revealing Himself in a different way than He did back then. Right, he's revealing more of himself, <clears throat> but <clears throat> but still, even with uh, with uh, Jesus on the scene, there's even though they could see Jesus, there's still a lot about God that has not had not been revealed, even with Jesus walking on this earth. There were things that were not yet understood. <clears throat> now. Let me give you what I consider to be a little diamond. In fact, for me personally, this is a big diamond. So uh, let me me show you that and see if it blesses you as well. And this is out of John chapter 7, by the way. John chapter 7. And I, I encourage you to turn there because you may want to, if you think it's a diamond like I do, you may want to underline it. Make note of it or whatever. As you all know, Jesus was very fond of <clears throat> talking in parables and of saying things in a way such that their meaning was not absolutely obvious. In fact, his disciples at one point says. Jesus, why don't you? Why do you talk in parables, right? And he says, "Well, it's not known to them. I mean, it's not given to them to know the things of the kingdom of God, but to unto you it is known." And, and the Jews also, at one point, said, "If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Why do you keep skirting the issue? You know why?" And, and of course, Jesus had told them plainly. Plainly, they just hadn't didn't understand, right? But as you know, Jesus uh, uh, teaches in that way. Now picture this, that Jesus is at one of the feasts that the Jews celebrate. Huge deal, lots of people around. They've all come together, lots of people around. Jesus is there, And, and it says in verse 37 of John chapter 7, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stands up there with all these people around, and it says he cried. Now, that doesn't mean crying tears, that means he, he spoke very loudly. And, uh, you know, if if you can just imagine, there's a, a restaurant that you're sitting at, and it's crowded, you know, people all around, and it's such, and, and all of a sudden, Uh, uh, somebody stands up and starts speaking very loudly and and basically yelling and most everybody's going to get quiet and turn and look to see what's going on, right? Well, that's how I picture this event happening with Jesus. He stands up in the middle of this feast and he, he starts talking very loudly and he says this, If any man thirst." Let him come unto me and drink. Now they're at a feast. So I'm sure that the first thing they're thinking is, okay, well, he's got some extra wine over there. And so if anybody's thirsty, they can go get wine from him. But he continues on. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And at this point, people are thinking, this guy's nuts. What does that mean? If anybody believes on him, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water? As Grandpa says, that doesn't even make good nonsense, right? What does that really mean? Well, I'm not going to focus on the meaning, although I'm sure that you all have some understanding of it. But I will focus on one tidbit of the meaning. It's really the the crux of the meaning. And that is actually stated in a parenthetical comment in the next verse. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not given yet glorified and this is a wonderful little tidbit I I hope that you enjoy it like I do did the Holy Spirit of God exist at the time this event occurred I think we all would agree yes the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity of God God has been always in existence without beginning without end so yes the Holy Spirit did exist at this time Did the Holy Spirit um, have any uh, uh, responsibility and role in the Old Testament? Well, yes, the Holy Spirit did have responsibilities and role and, and did things in the Old Testament, no doubt. So what does this mean? Here is a verse that explains what Jesus just said. Jesus, when He was saying that if you believe on Him... Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What Jesus is saying there is. Is that. If you receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to emanate from you. Like a a river flows. And it's going to be amazing. And, And so. But I thought the Spirit was already here. Yes. But. As we go through the history of mankind, the, the revelations that God gives increase, and I'm not going to say change because they were always true as we said, but they become known to us. They become, our understanding becomes different because what God is revealing unto us as time goes on, Right? And the roles and responsibilities and the actions of the Godhead, the Trinity, also, from our perspective at least, they change over time as well. Old Testament, what is the focal point? The focal point is this God who created everything, and, and He is amazing and awesome, uh, but he, He's to be feared... He's to be feared. Isn't that what the Old Testament says? To fear God. Right? To fear God and keep His commandments. And, and that's the focal point. Jesus comes along and, and things change. Our, our understanding of God changes. Because now, yes, God had revealed Himself uh, in a different way to Moses and in a different way uh, as, we, as we go along uh, the Old Testament. But Jesus comes along and what does He say? He says, here's how you ought to pray. You ought to pray by starting out our Father. There's a difference here. There's a difference in what is going on here. And, and, and what our understanding of God is, is, is changing. It, it, we're becoming more enlightened. Right? Jesus then tells his disciples, I'm going away. They say, where are you going? He says, where I'm going, you cannot come now. They say, well, why can't we come now? You know, uh, where is he going such that we don't know that we can't follow? They're, They're thinking in the world, right? They're not thinking about him going to heaven. But Jesus says, but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another to you. And this other is going to be a comforter to you. And this other is called the Holy Spirit. This verse is saying to us that Jesus stood up and said, you you need to believe on me. And as you do believe on me, emanating from you will be, it will be like rivers of living water. That is the Holy Spirit Will be emanating from you. That is the New Testament, the church age, the phase two ministry of the Holy Spirit is to dwell within us in such a way that it emanates from us and becomes like a, a river uh, of uh, flowing living water. Now, whew, I've got to hurry. Uh, boy, oh boy, we may have to go to Sunday on this thing, but <clears throat> let, me, let me give you another little tidbit that I've come to understand. At least I think I do. And uh, Brother Steve, if, if you disagree with me, you can correct me, but you know how in heaven it's described that, that these rivers flow from the throne of God, right? That's what the Bible says. These rivers flow from the throne of God. And it gives this implication of flowing water. Just flowing and flowing and flowing. And all, all throughout, and that's, that's happening in heaven, is, is this water is flowing. I firmly believe, and you don't have to believe it, we won't make this a point of, of doctrinal contention at all, but I firmly believe that that is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God that flows from the throne of God like water. You think of a spirit, right? And it's just zoo, zoo, zoo out there. And and the best that we can describe with our words is that it's like water just flowing out there. And I believe those references are references to the Holy Spirit, which will be flowing throughout all of heaven. That Holy Spirit. And we see that to a degree, to a very limited degree, we see that here in the Scriptures as well. Jesus said there's going to be uh, flowing rivers of living water coming out of people. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But that Holy Spirit is not going to be given in that way until after Jesus is glorified. Well, do we see that happening? Yes. Uh, We see that Jesus raises from the dead. Uh, and, and uh, Mary is there and, and, and Jesus says touch me not for I'm, I'm not yet being glorified and then we see him uh, they, he leads them out to a place called Bethany this is Acts uh, in, the, in the book of Acts uh, and, and he leads them out to the place called Bethany and he ascends to heaven and that is his glorification that is the moment in time when Jesus is glorified and then after that, we see the the, uh, the 50 days pass until the day of Pentecost. Well, 50 days from, not from that event, but 50 days from uh, the Passover. And the day of Pentecost occurs. And what happens on the day of Pentecost? They're all gathered in this place. And then all of a sudden, they hear this rushing, mighty wind sound. And... The Spirit of God, like cloven tongues of fire, comes and rests upon each of them. That's when the New Testament phase two ministry of the Holy Spirit began, is on the Day of Pentecost, and it continues to this day. And that's what uh, that's what uh, we get. And Paul is saying back over in Ephesians chapter three, he says, in other ages. They didn't understand this in this way, but uh, it's now revealed to his apostles and prophets how by the Holy Spirit, by the, the New Testament era uh, or, or um, phase of the Holy Spirit, so that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel This Holy Spirit is coming unto Jews and Gentiles and and those in between, and it's it's doing this so that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ. Remember in in chapter 2, Paul had said, In time past, you weren't part of the promise. But now, by the Holy Spirit, you've become part of the promise. This promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me, again, that dispensation of the grace of God, by the effectual working of His power. And to me, this is just an amazing revelation That we have received in in chapters 1 and 2 and now up to this point in chapter 3 where the Apostle Paul says God has chosen his people before the foundation of the world uh, to, to be his people. And they have been predestinated, uh, and, and He did so according to His own will, according to His own desires, and 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 such. And and uh, they've been saved from a situation of being dead in trespasses and sins, now being alive in Jesus Christ. They've been saved uh, from death unto life. And it not only does this apply to the Jews, it applies to the Gentiles. There's no wall of partition anymore. Do you know, by the way, that at the temple in Jerusalem, there was a physical wall of partition, and there was this place outside the temple. The, Jew, the uh, Gentiles could not come into the temple. That was not allowed. But there was, there was a place outside the temple that was called the court of the Gentiles. And they could come up close, but they they couldn't actually participate. And Paul is now saying that middle wall of partition has been broken down. And this is the mystery that is given. The mystery is that it's not according to birthright, but it's according to God's own choosing. It's not according to who your father and mother were, but it's according to the Holy Spirit of God bringing you into the family of God, and this is the power of God. So, Paul says, this revelation, this information, this mystery was shown unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. It was hid in God, but now I've been told to go and preach this and preach unto everybody the unsearchable riches of Christ. So that they understand the fellowship that we have in this mystery that was hid in God, but now is uh, is being revealed to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. You know, there's a uh, there's a scripture that talks about how that. The angels have desired to look into the things which you and I understand by the grace and by the Spirit of God. And and Paul is revealing this to us, writing under the inspiration of God, so that you might understand, you the church might understand the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the mystery. That's what Paul was saying. To me, this is such a wonderful tidbit, a revelation that God has given unto us. Tidbit is too small of a word. This This is an amazing message. Good news. This is an amazing gospel that Paul has revealed unto the church at Ephesus and unto us as well that... God has included us. That's a a great thing. Now it was a mystery. From the beginning of the world it was a mystery. But now it is revealed. And you and I can rejoice. As we know and understand. The unsearchable riches. Of God. As he reveals them unto us. By that spirit. Which has always existed, but now it, it performs its function, its ministry in a way that it never had before. As it comes in unto you and teaches you of the things of God. And what, what is one of the things it teaches? His spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So that you can, by the Spirit of God, cry out unto Him, Abba, Father. And you know what else the Spirit does? He takes your groanings, your problems, your concerns, your troubles, your issues, which you can't even put into words, but you just groan about them. And He translates them to God Himself. And He says, this is what is going on with your people. So that God then sends a blessing to us and applies it in our life by the Holy Spirit of God. I hope that message is a benefit to you. God bless you.